Welcome to episode two of 948 Arts, the Burt Church Live Theater Podcast. So happy to have you listening. My name is Chris Stockton. I'm the artistic producer here at Burt Church Theater. I'm Kirsty, and I'm the front of house manager. I'm Rob. I'm the technical lead. And I'm Bev, the community and rentals programmer. In episode one, we had a chance to talk with up-and-coming band As High As We Go, but we went a very different direction in terms of arts and arts in Airdrie. Bev, who did we chat with for episode two? Jordan Harris from George McDougall High School and Corby Dorner of Burt Church High School. Listen to how these two gentlemen came from very different paths to get to where they are now. Enjoy. Coming to you from the Burt Church Live Theater, it's the 948 Arts Podcast. We are so excited to have two of Airdrie's very well-known music teachers with us today. We have Jordan Harris, the music teacher at George McDougall High School, and Corby Dorner, who is the music teacher at Burt Church High School. Thank you so much for joining us, both of you. Thanks very much for having us. We yeah. appreciate it. So... You two are starting the next generation of, of students coming through who are going to be our musicians and those people who sing in choirs for years to come and play guitars around campfires. But let's look back at where you got started for your love of music. Where did that initially come from? And sort of what was your journey getting through to become a teacher? Well, I'm an old town energy boy. Uh, George Mack grad. Parents are George Mack grads. All my family's George Mack grads. It's about as redneck as it gets, but uh, it's good times. And I can just remember my mom who played in band at George Mack, go figure, uh, playing the saxophone. And she used to play a song called One Tin Soldier when I was a little kid. And it's one of the first songs that I learned how to play. And I always wanted to play the saxophone. But first day of band with Mr. McKenzie, he goes, oh, look at those lips. You're going to be an awesome trombone player. <laughs> and my heart sank because we didn't have a ton of money. So it's a saxophone or nothing. Yeah. And I went and asked him, I, I said, Mr. McKenzie, I don't think I can go in band because I have to play the saxophone. And he just said, okay. <laughs> and it's, it's funny how something so simple as an okay contains your entire life because I spent the next years of my life doing everything I could to be the best I could be for him and my parents for giving me this opportunity and gift. And it's, there's been no turning back. I, I, I don't know how many people have been able to do their, their dream job and love what they do every day, even on the hard days. And sometimes I, because I'm in my actual dream job, sometimes I'm like, maybe I should have had higher aspirations because this was a little bit easier to get my dream job. <laughs> so maybe I should have been rich or famous or something, but no, I'm where I want to be. No regrets. How about you, Corby? Uh, similar. Started uh, very young. Uh, the musical side or influence came from my mom. Always playing records in the house or eight tracks back in the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, just listening to everything. Have her brothers and sisters all sang or played guitar. And then I started piano when I was super, super young. And stuck with that forever. Band in grade three. It had an awesome teacher that inspired me, uh, Arlen Mangold. And uh, yeah, just music all the time, all the way through to where it was being uh, like paid to play music as a teenager, which was pretty awesome. And then going into bars underage, 
to play music <laughs> and then going into bars of age to play music and then mm-hmm. professionally in that after. And then I found out I could go to school for music and I'm like, oh, that's so much better than what I was planning to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wanted to be a teacher or an air traffic controller and those didn't work out. So be a musician, study music. Awesome. And then now I'm a music teacher, so I get to live music. Like Jordan said, it's the dream job, right? And again, like to repeat, the hard days are still good days. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. And to be at Burt Church now, it's something that I wanted from the first time, like I started subbing in Rocky View and was in the band room and like, this is amazing. Mm. And then moved to Medicine Hat and come back and work my way through and finally get luck of the draw, get transferred in. And now I get to work across town from Jordan and it's awesome. And you've been at Burt Church for four, four years. years now, and yeah. Jordan, how long have you been at McDougal now? I think this is my 14th year. Wow. Yeah. So, and, and I really, I always look at it as I've been there since grade seven. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I, everybody goes, you were at George Mack for six years as a student. I'm like, it used to be a junior high. Don't worry. <laughs> Best six years of high school ever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what drew you to teaching? Um, maybe let's start with Corby on this one. What, what drew you to the teaching aspect of it? Uh, working as a artist in residence. And at the time I was dating a teacher who I married. My wife is a teacher in Airdrie as well at Heron's Crossing School. And um, yeah, to go from artist in residence where you're competing for contracts and getting little bit jobs here and there. I decided to go do the after degree program at U of L and in a year and a half, I was a teacher as opposed to then I was struggling to get jobs and subbing as opposed to trying to get contracts to work on little things with different groups. But yeah, it was, uh, to be able to have that captive audience to teach and watch them grow sort of thing. doesn't matter what age you get. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Jordan, how about you? What, what drew you to teaching? Well, I, I think as much as I've always liked to perform and, and do the gig stuff, I, I've always felt more successful as a teacher. I've really thrived. Like my real passion is just to see people grow, to share my love for music and to see them excel. Like it, it's nice to be in the forefront sometimes. But there's no gift like seeing a kid that you've worked with who started from their point A and they've gone to B and C and D. And then all of a sudden they're at the end of the alphabet, so to speak. And just seeing how much growth they've had, the confidence that they have, how much they've grown as a musician and and, and a person in so many ways that I think what Corby and I do isn't just music and band. It's, it's life lessons like day in and day out. And it's, just the whole teaching side of it. I'm just super passionate about seeing people be successful in themselves and everything that they do. That, that's, that's when I really feel successful. That's when I feel that my passion has been met and seeing everybody else excel and succeed. And you took over for Malcolm McKenzie. Right? I did. It, it was right from him to you, right? Well, no, there was actually Dave Smith, who is oh, right. a, another incredible uh, music teacher at the time. And so he, 
he was in there, I believe, for four years at George Mack or three years. And I actually got to student teach under him as well oh, Wow! Uh, for my last practicum at George Mack. Go figure. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I've been to other schools, but I've always, always known where home is. And it's, you know, just the teachers that were there really inspired me to come full circle back around mm-hmm. and end up there. But. Amazing. So for both of you, the journey has been kind of different in terms of going right into teaching from university and the pursuing gigs and things like that. So now that you're working with the next generation, both of you, a question to both of you, is what are, what are the things that you do to help inspire this next generation? Whether that's um, how you pick music that they're going to play that, you know, they might not be familiar with. Um, how do you work with the students often across many grade levels to come together as a group? Number one, you have to be a team. It's super easy to go in there and be the boss and to pick everything. But if you're not going to be a team, it doesn't mean you won't be successful and have awesome musicians, but you're, it's going to be a job, I guess, not just for you, but for your students. Uh, Number one, you have to have fun. Number two, you're the team. Everything that we do in uh, George Mack, we choose together. We pick together. And then I kind of have these like loose rules. You always have to think about, yeah, absolutely. I want to have fun, but ultimately, who are we doing this for? And you think about your audience. You think about who you're going to perform for. And the other thing to think about is, is it enjoyable? I think people get hung up on, well, this is a grade four. That's a grade five. This is a grade two. Some of the the most beautiful, awesome pieces that I've ever played are two or two and a half, which is which is not a gigantic level. And I think when you play any kind of music, you have the same job. You have to you're telling a story to your audience and and you're sharing that story in the best way that you know possible. And it doesn't matter if it's a grade two or a grade four, it's the same message. And so I, I tell kids to worry less about the number and more about the story that you're telling and who you're telling it to. I, whenever we do like our little school concerts at like Edwards or whatever, I tell my kids, you know what, lap this up, go out, have fun, do your best. This is the closest to being rock stars that most <laughs> of us are going to be. Because when you have like four, five, six, seven hundred 700 kids go, ah! yeah, it's uh it's an amazing feeling and the energy that those kids put out, it's absolutely reciprocated back and forth. And it's, we might not have our technically best show, but we, we have so much fun that we walk out of there feeling like a million bucks knowing that we've done awesome things and helped inspire the next generation after them. Yeah. And of course, I can see you nodding your head to some of the things Jordan's saying. Yeah. And that's the whole thing is, uh, uh, it's exposing the kids to all different music, but ultimately you let them pick, pick what you want to play. I, and there's no real guidelines. It's got to be an arrangement that we can find parts for everybody. <laughs> yeah. And it has to be something that we can all play. Like you want to push them to certain levels just for musicality, but then again, to play an easier, a, an easier graded piece doesn't mean that it's less of a piece you are making it musical you are mm-hmm. making it so much more there's so much more to music than the notes on the page right that's the thing and that's the experience that i want my students to have 
on the audience to just enjoy the music because all of the examples that we play for the kids are played by professional orchestras mm-hmm. playing a grade two piece or a grade one and a half piece. And the kids are like, wow, that sounds amazing. I said, yeah, it's really easy. Hmm. Note wise. Now we have to work to make it sound beautiful. Right. But yeah. And just the audience, you want the audience to have fun. And like I've said too, is my favorite instrument to play is my band. Hmm. I've known the piano the longest, nice. but I love yeah. playing the band. <laughs> so Corby, you've mm-hmm. piano has been your primary yep. instrument and Jordan yours has been saxophone. So yep. who have, who have been your influences growing up? Who have been your, the uh, artists that have uh, inspired you or that you found you've been drawn to? Oh, uh, for me, it's piano players a lot. Uh, so like Ray Charles, Stevie Wonder, Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, his endless lists of piano players, Billy Joel or Elton John, Billy, one or the other, but it's, it's both. And even non-piano instrumentalists or bands that have great keyboards in them or just great music in general. Like my number one pick is Lyle Lovett. Oh, nice. And he has yeah. an awesome piano player, but I love the music and I can listen to every single thing that he puts out. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Every, every piece of music Lyle puts out or writes, I listen to it. It's awesome. That's awesome. Well, and that's the thing you can, you know what? I could list off like John Coltrane and Charlie Parker and all those amazing, amazing musicians and saxophone players. But it really, it comes down to, is anybody better than me? Is it because they, they inspire me to do more things. They inspire me to try things. Like I said, at the start, you know, I'm not the world's greatest professional musician. I'm a teacher, but that doesn't mean I can't be inspired by other people's playing. It doesn't mean that their playing doesn't inspire me. Uh, Just going back to what Corby said before, which is a great comment. You know, when you listen to the professionals play the music, that's great. But I always tell my kids, they they play it so perfect. It sounds so nice and pretty. Now, let's, let's make it sound musical now. And it's not a hit against the professionals, but they play every note, tick, tick, tick. Everything is right exactly where it needs to be. But if I was watching that in a concert, I don't know if I'd be as engaged as when you see a grade 10 kid stand up with their trumpet and hammer a solo. There's some squeaks and squawks and whatever, but you know, they're just giving her and they're just putting it out there. You know, it's, there's a lot of cool stuff, especially in like, you know, you said Billy Joel and like the E Street Band and, you know, Saturday Night Live musicians, like those guys just hammering it out and the saxophonists and musicians that they have, like, that's inspiring. That makes me want to do some cool stuff. Kirsty, you know what spring and summer are a great time for? What? Taking care of painting and fixing things up around your house. You don't say. And... If you're looking to get some of that work done, local Airdrie business, passion, painters. These guys, they even say it right in their slogan, we take painting your home personally. And they do. Leslie and Tyler have a family-owned business here in town, and they are going to take care of your painting needs. Big jobs, small jobs, interior, exterior, decks and fences. Whatever you're looking for, give them a call. Check them out on their website for more information, passionpainters.com. Airdrie, put your money where your heart is. Shop local. And now, back to the show. 
Well, it's interesting, like you guys sort of bring this up a little bit here, but it's interesting to me how there's this stigma sometimes attached to teachers that they are not um, artists themselves and that they don't necessarily have an artistic Oh, Corbius. Ben, well, yeah. <laughs> well, but seriously, but but it requires you to be a musician. It requires you to be an artist. On you know, and and Jordan, I mean, you play with with a number of different people, all you know, at different times. And Corby, I know that you've done some dueling pianos. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how crucial do you think it is for the the teacher to have also been a practicing artist? I think every music teacher has been at one point, even as a student musician or learning an instrument, they have been an artist. So to say uh, that always, it always bothered me that those who can play and those who can't teach, it's like, yeah. yeah and those who can teach don't have to worry about always playing. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and that's not a dig at the current situation, but um, yeah, it's, I don't think it's as important for the music teacher to be an artist per se, but to be passionate about playing an instrument or learning music. Mm. That's all you need. You need to be passionate about listening and learning and exploring. And you don't have to be an artist to do that. You just have to love music. And that's what you try to bring across. I think that's what Jordan and I both try to bring across to our classes. We love music and what it's done for us, what it does for us currently. And just, yeah, the energy, like. So when, so when you, when you both get a student who is excited about music to the point where they say, I want to pursue this, this mm-hmm. is my passion, just like the two of you, what do you say to them? You're this crazy. is not, <laughs> yeah. this not, is not an easy industry, right? Yeah, no. Just get out of my office. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not an easy industry. Uh, I'm very real saying there is n- there's a list of great musicians and all of those great musicians have a list of great musicians better than them and better than them. And anyone who says that I'm the best, then what are you working for? Well, you don't, you're not striving to do anything. I don't know. I just tell my kids, you have to be passionate about it. You have to want it. You have to work at it and accept all the love, accept all the criticism because you're going to get both sometimes more than the other. It is, it will never be balanced. Mm-hmm. And you will be your own worst critic at times. And not everything that your mom says is awesome is awesome. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. What's, what's, what's going on here? I gotta make a quick call. Jordan, Jordan has just yeah. had a major epiphany after that last I, comment. I literally yeah. just talked to my mom before I came in here. It's just, oh, I'm how sorry. fun, be awesome. Yeah. Everything's gonna be great. I'm just sorry. like you. No, she's calling me right now going, I didn't say that. <laughs> Yeah. No, you're, t- you're totally right though. Like it, it comes down to passion and loving what you do. Like for me, like I've had people where I've had to step out of the room, for instance, and people come and it's always, always seems to be at like the warm up or something like that. And they walk out of there going, Oh my gosh, how do you do this? I would kill myself. And I'm like, no, oh, man, you, you got to look at your point A to your point B. You have to think about where you start and where you end up. And I, I always tell my kids, you know what, it, it, look, look around you because I'm not grading you against the person beside you. I'm grading you against yourself mm-hmm. and how much you push yourself and how far you want to go. And going back to your other question, like Corby answered it, it just awesome. And once again, it comes back to passion as far as 
versus having to be an artist versus going into the classroom. I think where being an artist does come in handy, aside from the exceptional skill that you get from playing day in and day out, is you get to see the other side of the fence. And so you get to you get to know what works and what doesn't right off the bat. And you get to apply the real world, quote unquote, into like your band world or your school classroom. I talked earlier about us teaching life lessons in our class. And it's it's like a direct application for what works and what doesn't and how you want to do things. And realizing that there's going to be some things that are awesome and some things that aren't, but you just have to keep going. You can't give up. You have to keep that passion alive and just keep pushing and and really be there for each other. Like it's one of those things is a lot of times, and this is not everybody, but a lot of times you, you go into like a university classroom or, or you're around maybe your peers and you feel really intimidated because you know that the smarts are there. And they're so technically awesome. But then part of you kind of says, you know what, they, they are awesome, but they look at kids maybe a bit differently mm. and maybe they don't have that same kind of passion. So I could say, yeah, you know more theory than me, but I know kids. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not always the case. Like it's every situation is different, but I, I know when I go into the classroom, I'm there for the kids and I'm learning as much as they are every single day. And that's a good thing. It's good not to know everything. That would make life pretty darn boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the same when you have professional or clinician come in, like we'll get people that we admire with what they do and have them come in to work with our kids because we appreciate what they have to offer. And when they come in, I, I, I'm one of the kids. I sit and I want to be a student. Like, no, I'm not directing anymore. I want to sit and learn because mm-hmm. that's why you're here. And I want to learn from you. So, And interesting, what a great example for those students mm-hmm. when, when that does come in to see that there's not ego involved. There is a passion for learning and a passion for being a sponge to suck up yeah. what those others who are, who are specialized can offer you, right? And so... A question that has always boggled my brain, and maybe you have um, answered it a little bit, Corby, is as band teachers, you bring in clinicians to help, but how on earth do you guys know how to properly play that many instruments? Like you're working with groups of, you know, ensembles of, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 kids, Uh you know, like they're huge ensembles. How do you know to help instruct these students? Like you guys must just be you know, jacks of all trades when it comes to it. Well, Corby is, and I, like, honestly, <laughs> like he, he's a huge musician that I look up to. Like for myself, like I'm, I'm a brass and winds kind of guy. And I've, I've taken it upon myself to learn as much as I can. Um, to maintain everything at a high level is a difficult thing to do. You do your best. There's definitely instruments I play better than others. But I think my ultimate goal is to make the kids better than I am. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. it, and I, I think I said it before, I, yeah, I want to be awesome and I want to shine sometimes. So who doesn't? But when you see your kids shine, then you know you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Because really teaching is about your team. It's all about the people in front of you. And to make them awesome, that's, that's a great feeling. 
And, yeah. and when you see their grandparents' eyes or their parents' eyes light up and, you know, I, I've had parents say, wow, I, did, I didn't even know they could play. I'm like, yeah, you should really listen to them sometimes. Yeah, you should it's, let them practice at home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> parents yeah. are going nuts right now, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and that's like my threat. My threat to the students is I shouldn't be able to play your part better than you, mm-hmm. especially for some of the wind players. Yeah. I can play all the brass and percussion stuff, but if I can play your clarinet part better than you, then we have a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you only well, need to practice more, yeah. but I work. Yeah, it's taking the onus on it's, them. It's to push them, right? It's, yeah. Yeah. I don't want, there's no way, and, and even at the high school level, so like we're lucky because a lot of that learning and teaching of the instruments has happened in their beginner band, junior high mm-hmm. yeah. experience most often. Sometimes we'll get kids that have never played that come to high school and they want to be in band. It's like, you're in. That's all you need is you need passion. You don't have to play an instrument. You need Mm -hmm. passion. You're in. I can teach you regardless of what instrument it is at a beginner level. But so when we get the high school students coming in, they're at a certain level most often or not. And then we just have to teach them how to make themselves better and inspire them to be better. And that's where it's like, I'll play your part. Now you play your part better than me. And that's kind of what it is. It's not, there's, <laughs> there's a few teachers, band teachers that I've met that have been doing it for a long time that are incredibly proficient on every oh, instrument. Gosh. And I just, mm-hmm. like, how do you do that? How do you do that? But, and, and they make it look so effortless. <laughs> that, that's the thing that I yep. could never figure out is even though my teacher growing up, I think he's always had white or gray hair. <laughs> it's just, just shifted from the mullet to the smaller mullet. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. McKenzie. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I've always been so envious at how effortless he made it because I'm going nonstop all the time and I'm enjoying it. But you know, at the end of the day, you're tired. And I'm, I'm sure that he was too, but because he was a hard worker, he inspired many, many students, but it's, I certainly don't make things look effortless. That that's for darn sure. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's the teachers that do everything, and it's as simple as them taking a sip of water. And then there's me coming along, and it's like I have a bucket, and I'm trying to balance it and splashing myself <laughs> yeah. in the face. Like, oh, I'm drinking water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just look yeah. like a complete clown sometimes. But Bobby again, the kids learn from that too because there's humility in it. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, I'm screwing up all the time. But I'm trying to better myself. That's all I want you to do. Try to better yourself. Absolutely. And it comes down like our motto, and it's always been this way. I have it on a banner in my room is do your best, do your best, do your best. And it's funny you talk about us struggling as teachers. It's there are kids who see that and they don't look at it as a weakness. They look at it as what can I do to help? How can I be better? How can I make our team better? Mm-hmm. And so those are those life moments that don't just apply to music. Those are where you have awesome kids that want everybody to succeed because they know that their success in many ways is based on the success of everybody around them. And so that's, I keep coming back to team, but we're, we're a team, we're a family. And I think you have to look at your program that way to be successful. I know awesome students that are part of programs where there's like 14 kids. And maybe because there's 14 kids is maybe because they're not quite necessarily that team. It has nothing to do with 
schedules or anything like that. Like, you know, Corby, your numbers are they're going up. They, yeah. they go up, up and up. And that's it's probably because he's a great teacher in part, but really it's because he's a great person. He has that passion. And as a, as a music educator, it's not always just about the smarts. Actually, as an educator, it's not always just about the smarts. It's your connection with those kids and mm-hmm. the passion that you bring in, which is another word that we use 20 times already. But yep. that's what it comes down to. Yeah. You, you have to care about the kids and what you're doing. And then because it, we all have the same education, more or less, but it doesn't mean that we're the same teachers and we, we, we bring the same to our classes. Yeah, it's not it's not about the curriculum and it's never about the music as the music itself. It's, again, the team thing. And we want to be the biggest and best team in our school. Absolutely. And we are. <laughs> what? Well, a lot of times you, you literally are, right? Like there's some sports teams that maybe have yeah. a lot of kids, yeah. right? Football teams have lots of kids. Might have 40 kids, right? Or 45 yeah. kids. But you guys have enormous numbers coming into your room. And. And across, you know, one thing I know, Corby, you and I have talked about in the past is not only do you have three grade levels, which means three different social circles, which means three different ages, which means three different levels of hormones and life changes, (laughs) but you also have within each of those grade levels, another six varying levels of ability. So how do you balance so many variables based on experience and, and talent in, in one room? We play to the weakest player and bring them up because often I, and I've always like in our team talk and with the band, it's every band is as good as its weakest player. And unless that weakest player isn't playing, but then you are missing their voice. And that's what I stress Mm -hmm. is like, if you are air banding it up here, don't. Like, honestly, I could give you an auxiliary percussion part that you can contribute a voice to this as opposed to standing there holding your instrument and smiling, <laughs> which is great for yeah. the camera, but not for our sound. And that's mm. where, yeah, we, I want to, so I always try to stress to the students and I've been very blessed with this group, especially, or with the school here, how the kids are gravitating towards helping each other so the 12s kind of take the 10s that come in hmm. and kind of help them and i have grade 12s that wanted to help they could come and sit in all the grade nine classes it's like what are you doing here i have a spare awesome you are my new trumpet section leader you can help them <laughs> and that sort of thing but just and having that the sense of community again and the mm-hmm. whole no one gets left behind to use every cliche it's bringing everybody up together where the weakest can aspire to the strongest and if they meet in the middle, holy cow, your band is awesome. As a sound, as a band, it's awesome. But as a group, they're making connections for life. Yeah, so absolutely. And so many of the connections that these students make happens at things that aren't in a traditional classroom. It happens at retreats. It happens at trips. Absolutely. It happens in some of these yeah. festivals. Tell me a little bit about how you've seen those things really have a positive influence on your group, either bringing them together or just watching them succeed in a way that they maybe didn't even expect they could. Well, the big one for George Mack has always been the Disney trip. So it happens every three years. It started in 94. I went on the first trip 
as a student. And so I, I've been to Disney like way too many times. <laughs> it is not the happiest place on earth. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, but now. it's, it, it always, it always makes me laugh how you have all, and here's a reality. Oh, I'm in band because I, I want to go to Disneyland. And it makes me laugh because it's six days out of your entire career in band. And especially if you go when you're in grade 12. So you're telling me that you've been in band for six years, <laughs> for six or seven days on your trip. And it's funny, but because even if you know kids are in it for a trip, it's, well, it's not my job, but it's my, my intermission, we'll say, where I, I change their minds and we come to love it and we come to be awesome together. But here's the thing. It's not to say that our trips aren't awesome. The things that we get to do are amazing. And, but it comes back to those life lessons. So going to Disneyland, I have kids that have never been on a plane, kids that have mm. never left home, kids that have never set foot on a beach or been to an ocean, kids that have never been to a place like Disney or on a roller coaster, kids that will never have the opportunity to record behind the scenes mm. with people that work on the Disney videos or professional musicians like that. It's first for so many different things outside of music. Uh, to be on a Disney stage is amazing. To play at Knott's Berry Farm, Universal Studios, it's amazing. But here's the other flip side of that. Going and playing at the elementary school on the Morley Reserve is amazing for us. Mm. Getting those kids jacked up and involved in dancing. Putting on a concert next door at Edwards is amazing for us. Going to Edmonton and playing at West Ed, like if there's anything I've learned over the years, because it used to be, oh no, I have to keep these kids interested and go to Disneyland. Well, yeah, absolutely. But if there's anything I've learned, it's just that family feeling wherever you go, if kids feel welcome, if they feel happy, if they're making friendships and building on friendships, then that's where it's at. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter if you're going for ice cream and Cochrane or to Disneyland mm -hmm. it's you're building on so much more than just the music and and that keeps the family or the team going mm -hmm. sorry same thing yeah you know like that's it yeah yeah well where mine is like I always do trips and festivals and everything every year and part of that could be for me also just to get away and to go be with the band and do that stuff you're brave. You do but bus trips. We do bus, <laughs> bus trips and school buses sometimes. Wow. Or, yeah, or, the, or the 14-hour, 15-hour charters Ooh. buses. But it's awesome. Like, aside from everybody getting sick that time, uh, <laughs> or one student eating 40 chicken McNuggets in under 10 minutes, which was a bad idea for him. Not, well, and for bad. us. Not bad. There are yeah. goals, right? <laughs> or, so. no, it was in, within minutes. Yeah, it was crazy. Anyways, but, <clears throat> yeah, it's just offering those op those opportunities because a lot of our students won't would never get the chance to go certain places or might never take the chance to go certain places and again yeah. you have those kids that have never been never spent a night away from home mm -hmm. <laughs> so every parent gets my cell number and I'm calling them if something's up or I tell them to call me if their child texts them it's 3 a.m. and I'm scared. It's like, mm -hmm. well, then come and get Mr. Dorner and I'll go check on you. 
Yeah, but, you're right. But you always end up in yeah. the funny thing in those situations is you, you always have those parents or even those kids that are worried, but yeah, you have the kid. And I actually taught a whole family mm-hmm. of these kids, which is hilarious <laughs> where they've said three words in their entire high school life. And then they come back from like Disney and it's the parents are like, what did you do to my kid? They won't, they won't shut up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now all of a sudden they're like, uh, you're in class. You're like, um, sorry, Jimmy, could you quiet down, please? I'm trying to teach. Yeah. And they haven't said two words in the, the other three years of their high school experience. Yeah. But it changes yeah. people. Yeah. It does. And it, that's what band, that's what music is, right? So we offer a life changing experience to, sorry, vault it. But, well, uh, it, no, but, but it's true. And so many situations currently, I would say more in the States than in Canada have uh, been eliminating arts programs. And these things that you're telling us about, these life lessons, these opportunities for kids that they might not otherwise have, these families and teams that they get to, get to become a part of are so key in developing them as humans. And there's so many things that they get out of learning music that extend way beyond how well they can play notes on a page. Yeah. See, I, I think that's the real issue, though, is people look at it as just being able to play an instrument, play notes on a page. And, and that's the mistake. Um, never, ever, ever have I ever discredited any other program or profession, like in, in terms of like whether you're a math teacher or science or English or whatever. And I think, and I, I've been lucky in a lot of ways, but I think people need to realize the importance behind everything that people do. And it's absolutely, I think we're biased and we should be with whatever we're teaching or doing. I'm the band teacher, so I want the band to be awesome. Um, the cheer coach, I want the cheer team to be awesome. I teach math. I want the math kids to be awesome. Absolutely. But, and this is the naive part of me. Why can't we just be all awesome together? Like, <laughs> and it's, it's silly to say, but I want people to say that to themselves. Why can't we just all be awesome together? Because why can't we? Why does it have to be, well, you know what, band's not a core subject, so it's not really important. Or like, why, why does it have to be that way? There's kids that don't come to school, but they come to band class because of the family that we have. Yep. There's kids that are awesome in absolutely everything, but they come to band class because that's their break from the day. There's band, music, math, science. It's something different for everybody. And everything is important that these people do. But that's the key. Everything is important. Kirsty, I know that you love it because I see you eating it here at the office at lunch. Indian food. I do. I love Indian food. It's flavorful and delicious and so good. So let me tell you about this place in Airdrie. It's called a fine balance catering and Nash, the owner, he is a red seal chef. He has worked for the Ritz Carlton, the four seasons, like some big places, right? Fine Indian cuisine in Airdrie, totally focused on nutrition too. Super key these days. Visit them at, at finebalancecatering.com and Airdrie, put your money where your heart is. Shop local. And now back to the show. So then maybe this is a good time for me to ask, as we're talking about lifting each other up and talking about each other, is there competition between your two programs? Are, <laughs> you two have sat in this room and been very complimentary of each other. So it's been really lovely. And I think some people might get the idea that 
you know, because one is Burt Church and one is George Mack, and those have been the two sort of original schools. That there's this, side side. this heated battle between <laughs> yeah. the two of you. But Don't touch it, my bottles. Yeah. So tell me, tell me a bit about that. Is, is there a is there a rivalry? I, I, oh. I always I always get a kick where I'm talking to the kids and somebody will crack something because it always like I'm an energy boy. There's always been that east side west side, and it's like. Ah, oh, guys, you know what? I actually like this guy. So <laughs> we're going to have to tone it down because, and, and that's the thing, whether it's football or volleyball or band or whatever, I, I think inadvertently there, there is always a bit of a rivalry, but, but, but it doesn't mean that we can't wish each other success. It doesn't mean that we can't both be awesome with our programs. It doesn't mean that we can't work together. Like, I I look at myself as probably the least competitive person I know, but that's probably because I'm the most competitive person I know, <laughs> if that makes sense. And you know what? You just have to try to learn from each other and you work with each other and you wish each other success. And it's, you know, Corby has been awesome because he's always, well, let's see if we can work something out together. And it's always together. Which is awesome. And and I'll be honest, like at the start, I was probably more hesitant than anybody because I haven't had anybody do that. It's always been, well, it's always felt like east, east side, west side. side. Yeah. And see, and when I came, that was the last thing I wanted was east side, west side. Because yeah. when I first came into the division, I was at Springbank and I didn't have competition other than trying to keep a band program alive out there mm -hmm. and then when i came here it was awesome i get to work in town with jordan yeah you have colleagues and right george mack yeah, yeah and the kids the first thing the kids bring up oh george mack and, and all this stuff i'm like <laughs> oh, and who won the last game yeah who won yeah. the last game between george mack's band and our band <laughs> so, yeah honestly like there's the, the, well, the, the competition i think is from the kids because I think Jordan and I, we push our competition, I think is pushing our kids to be the best. Absolutely. Because I know that when I have kids start talking smack, it's, uh, <laughs> no, 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 that's not going to happen because well, it, it can sometimes, but. And there are not. some scenarios where that comes into play. You know, you've both, you both do festivals and things like yeah. that where, mm -hmm. where you're getting evaluated in a way. But the thing I love about the arts is there are also, I mean, it's very rare that you would find a sports team who would say, hey, let's get together and just have a practice, you know, or hey, let's get together and just do a game of pickup. No big mm -hmm. deal, right? Like there seems to be where there's a winner and a loser sometimes and a score. There isn't that flexibility to say, hey, I've got my jazz combo. You've got your jazz combo. Why don't we find a stage where we can both perform or perform together? You know, like yeah. the arts just naturally want to bring people together. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know what, it, it, with that competitive spirit, like I, Absolutely. Everybody wants to win something. You feel good. It's what we're brought up to do. But I, I think even if you're the winner in that situation, it's possible to turn that into a losing position. Because if you're not willing to work together, if you're not willing to give your kids those opportunities. So like having Corby, he invited us to play a jazz song, one festival for one concert a few years ago on the stage. We had the same song and it's, giving our kids the opportunity to play together on a stage and we, we didn't practice it together. And to be honest, we played it two different ways. And so it was scary as heck, at yeah. least for me, yeah. <laughs> but, um, awesome opportunity. 
to do that kind of thing. And it's awesome to work with somebody who looks at it like that. And like I said, you know, it's for me being brought up a certain way, you kind of have that skepticism. But dang it anyways, Corby, you're just an awesome guy. God, I hate it. I hate it. I try to be a pain. Um, Yeah. Work harder to be my nemesis. (laughs) This is just. Yeah. Yeah, And that's in the arts. Like it's always. uh, It's more about community. And that's what I think Airdrie would benefit from too is more arts in the community mm-hmm. and yeah. where Jordan does an incredible job being out in the community with his group, with his bands, his kids, he's out there leading it all the time. And that's something that I aspire to be. So again, like as far as influences go, Jordan influences me to be a better community member with my kids and to inspire them to do that too. Like trying to find places to play in town or for certain events like yeah a dream would be when all of this separation stuff is done to do like a joint band concert at the awesome band shell in the park to use that or to do uh, just music in the park but have it be our programs as opposed to bringing in musicians from calgary yeah or touring bands that come through and put on little concerts it's like well, why the hell are they playing in town when we have bands that can play in yeah. town? Mm-hmm. So maybe that leads me to an, another question, and that is, um, Corby, you live in Airdrie, Jordan. You've lived in Airdrie almost your whole life. What do you think are the things that Airdrie needs to take that next step to have a thriving arts community? And let's let's look at that from the music perspective from the two of you, but what are some things that you go, you know, I think we could really thrive if we had I think uh, our timber used to be a big thing. Like it used, it was huge. And there was a, com- a committee or a group that was in charge of it from my understanding. And it was big before I got here. Like my first year in Airdrie was kind of its last year. It was kind of fizzling out. And um, the tricky part for, I think, our programs to be involved in that, at least from for me would be, I have a week or two weeks with these kids to try to get something that I want to put out there into the community. Whereas maybe I could continue off of a previous year, but to have like a celebration the of the arts throughout the year yeah. or like mm-hmm. not don't let's, let's not pick September for art month. Let's uh, do it in April or May, mm-hmm. even June because grad's done. You can have a couple performances in the first couple weeks of June and then it's exams, mm. but even just to kind of plan something in there where you could have, as far as the school music programs go, something like that. And then a place for everybody to know when all of the concerts are like Jordan and I, we promote our band stuff on our Facebook or Instagram, or we tweet it out, whichever social media has it there, but it's all individual as opposed to one-stop shop, like fast forward magazine for I know Airdrie Life is there, but I don't know how current it can keep up with. Well, they the, only have four issues. There you go. Year, so. Right? so they do have online, an online platform. Mm-hmm. But, how um, many people know about the online platform or use it? Right? That's the thing. Not a, not a dig against Airdrie Life magazine. Mm-hmm. Just saying. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, and fast, there's a reason why, I mean, fast forward was like weekly, I think. Yep. And there's a reason why it, it went under, right? Like, and, and so it's about finding those new ways to give people that same resource. Would you agree, Jordan, in terms of what's happening in the city? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, in using the current situation, like I, on the one hand, times like this are really hard to promote things like the arts because the economy is going in the tank and we have all these different issues worldwide and such. And so people, and legitimately so, they have their focus somewhere else. But on that same note, you need to think about that moment when you're driving to work and you're listening to that song that you love and it inspires you. And you think about that person who's performing that song and who inspired them. And maybe it was a teacher or maybe it was a parent or maybe grandpa showed him how to play the guitar or whatever the case. You need to think about where all those things stem from. Music plays a part in all of our lives. And whether it's, you know, playing around a campfire, playing in a band or listening to music because you don't have a lick of musical talent, quote unquote, but you just love it. Like you have to make it a part of everything. And Airdrie, we have huge supporters that are out there for the arts, but we need so many more people to jump on board. And everybody thinks jumping on board for something means you have to join a committee or you have to put in a ton of work or you have to do this. How about just saying, hey, you sounded really awesome playing your instrument today. Or, hey, is that a new song? Um, hey, I heard you practicing in your bedroom. Why, why don't you come play it for mom and dad? Like start small and just show your support. And that's really what it's about. Like even when people are doing performances, when they open back up, just go to them. Just, mm-hmm. just enjoy them. Take them in. You know, when you go to an elementary school concert and those teachers do an amazing job, but absolutely, and this is a given, there sh- and there should be a difference in skill sets from elementary school to junior high to high school because it's progression, right? But it, you know what? It's, it's awesome what they do, even though there's a different skill set. And you have little Jimmy kind of squeaking their part out or a line's been forgotten or whatever, or that's a B flat, not a B for sure. (laughs) You know, just going and supporting and listening and enjoying and make sure that continues all the way up. The the audiences shouldn't get smaller as as you're working your way up in the music world. They should stay the same and get bigger. And the same with the audience shouldn't get smaller just because your child's isn't performing absolutely that's don't, don't that's walk out because thing. jimmy's yeah. band already went on yeah like having multiple groups perform sorry multiple groups have to stay yeah and i stress that the parents stay because that to you that's the example mm-hmm. when you when your child's group has performed and as they get up and walk off the students in the audience and the parents in the audience waiting for their child to perform see you get up and leave the performance and it's kind of deflating Absolutely, to walk out there every like or turn around for every band and go well oh i lost a whole section what happened like oh <laughs> so it, i mean ultimately what it sounds like you guys are saying is it, it's about sharing the information of what's going on but then beyond that sharing taking the active role in 
supporting those events. Yeah, by, by participating as an audience. Yeah. Well, because really, yeah. like, you can play music for yourself, but it's the thing I love about theater, and that is that there is that exchange between the audience and the performer that, that really true to, truly does make it a performance, right? Otherwise, you're, you're just a group of friends having a good time jamming, right? Like, yeah. And that has its place too, but for a full performance, you need that audience and you need that, that reaction to play off of, right? You, you need the purpose. And so passion is fantastic and it lights the fire, but to have that purpose. And so like whether you're performing for five people or 500 people, you think about what the setting is. You think about the purpose. You think about who you're performing for. And you go and do the best show no matter what. And you, you want people to feel what you feel. It's, we talked about listening to recordings before and how prim and proper and perfect they are. And then when you listen to me say, that's great, that's perfect. Now let's do it our way. And it's not that there's a problem with the prim and perfect, but it's everybody has their own style, their own flair. You put your heart and soul, your passion, you put everything you have into your music. And, you know, you spend months sometimes working on pieces for like an hour experience. Or if you do something like Remembrance Day and and you have so much value in what you do, and then you're like, oh, it's just three songs. Well, that's not the attitude to have. It's the, that what these kids put forward in those three songs or four songs or whatever, and the passion and the heart and how they try to convey it to the audience so they can feel the same thing that they do. That's you as an audience member add to that purpose. So as we're coming up, to the end here, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions and I want you to just answer the first thing that comes to your head. This Uh-oh. never ends well with me. Just <laughs> ask, ask my wife. This never okay. ends well. Are you ready? If you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Jordan. Chinese food. Corby. Chicken and rice. If you could only listen to one artist for the rest of your life who would it be corby lyle levitt billy joel if you could have one wish for something that your students take from your classroom when they leave what would that wish be that i care for them for them to know that their best really is good enough thank you so much gentlemen you are an inspiration to so many kids and your reach is incalculable and your reach cannot be calculated truly because of the exponential growth of your influence on these young people. So thank you so much for what you do. Thank you for spreading passion and music into our communities and um, all the best. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Jordan. Thank (laughs) you, sir. Talk about two gentlemen who are humble and enthusiastic and excited about creating music with their students. This warmed my heart as a former teacher to just listen to the passion and to really hear about how these two artists in their own right came to this profession and to this way of inspiring the next generation from two very different paths. It's just so inspiring. Rob, what were your thoughts? I loved it. The fact that... um they're just so passionate about themselves. They're passionate about their, uh, their music. 
but more than anything else, they're passionate about the kids and how they want them to succeed and, and grow. And especially within the arts and, and the band and everything, that's where, that's where our future of arts is, is, is within those classrooms across the world. And, uh, just yeah, I'll, I'll I'll end it there for for that. Great, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bev. Well, I totally agree with them getting out into the community. I was a band kid in high school. I played the trombone, and getting to actually be out in the community with your band is really a memory that you never forget. Mm-hmm. And whether that's traveling as far as Disneyland or going next door to the elementary school, I think it challenges students who are shy to actually put themselves out there and it allows bonds to create between kids who I'm I'm still friends with the guy who drove me to band every mm-hmm. morning at 6 30 a.m mm-hmm. probably because he was committed enough to waking my very very tired person up at 6 30 in the morning <laughs> and was willing to drive me to band but well, we didn't even get into that really so many band programs are so early in the morning oh, right because yeah. you're bringing together kids from like three, sometimes four different grade levels, depending that, you know, that that's a different level of commitment there as well, for sure. Oh, a hundred percent. Kirstie, what were your thoughts? Um, I loved, I loved this conversation. Um, and how both Jordan and Corby talked about being sort of eternal learners, um, learning from people who have more experience than you, or maybe who don't have more experience than you and just seeing how they sort of, um, move through their work and their craft. Um, and that when they bring in other professionals to sit in with their students and to, um, play for them and play with them, that they also get the opportunity to sit there and observe and partake and, uh, get those, like have those experiences. And, and I think that's important. I think you have to have to be a continual learner, a lifelong learner. Well, I think with anything, if, if you stop moving forward, if you stop progressing, if you stop, you know, trying to expand your horizons and open up your mind to new ideas or new ways of doing things, if it's art, it becomes stagnant. And if it's something like a play, it becomes flat. It doesn't, it doesn't live. And I think that that's staying on that forward momentum on the balls of your feet as opposed to settling back on the heels, I think is what keeps even music that was played you know, four, 600 years ago, still fresh in a way when it's played now by today's artists, because they're seeing it in a new light, right? And they're, they're feeling it in a new way and in a, in an environment where there aren't, there wasn't social media 600 years ago, there wasn't social media 30 years ago. So, you know, to even think of when we were growing up versus how a student now would think of it when they have so much access to music, I think it's really remarkable how, that learning continues to push people forward. Well, and there was a comment made, I don't remember who said it, but that that um, if you are the best, you have nowhere else to go. Like what else do you have to aspire to? What else do you have to learn? And every musician and every artist is going to have somebody that they look up to and a list of people that they want to learn from or aspire to be or who are the people like that they are so influenced by. And if you are the best and you don't have that, then what else is there kind of? So. Yeah. I love that, you know, because for some artists who, you know, if you're 
someone who's a pop music singer for you to have influences in, you know, soul or in, you know, um, the music of the Rat Pack, you know, it, it's interesting how those, even though they might not be a direct competitor right now, how you can be inspired by those things and, and still strive to become better, even though you might be seen as one of the top people in your game. Um, as a, the, the former teacher in me was really warmed by, um, by a number of the things they were saying. One of the comments I said to them, uh, to my students when I left teaching was that I was thankful for all of the things that I learned from them and that I felt that I learned more from the students over my 12 years than I ever could have taught any individual one of them. And that made me so thankful. Um, and I appreciated that, uh, that they also put to rest finally that, you know, they do genuinely like each other and want to collaborate and do things because ultimately that's what the arts is about, right? It's about collaborating. It's about finding ways to, um, to bring excellence together and create something new. I enjoy listening to, to them, to their classes, uh, both in and outside of the theater. So when I get to listen to them around the, around, uh, around Airdrie, when they're doing separate performances and then when they do get uh, a chance to not only perform for their own school, but for other, uh, patrons altogether in the theater, it's nice to see, uh, both of them being able to work together and be able to create so much. And, uh, and, and I think it adds value to the community at the same time. For and sure. I think, I think music has, has such an interesting mix between the solo pa- practice and the collaborative mm-hmm. practice and really specifically in their realms where students need to be going home and practicing their part, but all these parts layer together to make that big band sound. And so even when they talked about, Oh, like mixing bands. So it's like Jordan may have one artistic way of taking that piece of music. And like Chris was saying, it's so interesting that we can reach into the past and we have the notes that Mozart wrote down and we can listen to the past today because we know what that note is. So it's super interesting, a super big connection to the past But then like Jordan was saying, your own artistry, your own way of playing it. So the George Mack band playing this piece is in its own a moment in time of reaching into the past and creating the current and those students will go on to do something potentially in the future. So it's such a big space and time of community between the solo practice you did at home, the practice you're doing together, and then the performance with the audience and all of that working together, I think is why we still have big bands. It's never when we get the electric guitar or the electric drum set, it's not like we stop having big orchestral bands. It's not replaced by new things because it's such a human core experience. Mm. Well, and it, it does involve audience, right? It does involve that other side of things, which I always say is the thing I love about live performance is without an audience, it is just a group of friends getting together and, and creating something wonderful. But with the audience, it becomes performance. And um, yeah, I, I agree. I think the complexity and the layers of it will keep it around forever. Thank you so much to Jordan and Corby for coming in. They are just two examples of who are a whole community of arts educators uh, 
in our world and in energy. And uh, we're thankful that they were able to come in and, and give their personal experience of what it's like to be those arts educators. Rob, tell us a little bit about a feature here that we're hoping uh, we can get some people sending some info in to us for. Absolutely. That is the mailbag. So please send us any comments, questions, queries, ideas, what you want to hear, what you want to see, any of those kind of things uh, to make uh, not only Bird Church Theatre better, this podcast better, all of that as a whole. And so send your ideas, comments, and everything to bert.church at airdry.ca. We want to know what you think of the podcast. We've given our opinions on a few things here. Let us know uh, what your thoughts are. Bev, another way people can reach out and uh, get their uh, ideas and histories on this podcast. Tell yeah, us. Yeah, that's, that's our arts memory moment. And that is kind of like what we do in a really short form with all of our guests. We almost want to have as many people on the podcast as possible. We are a community and we want to bring out community. So just like we've talked to our guests about their memories and their impactful moments dealing with the arts in Airdrie, we want to hear from you. So if you have a memory or a funny story or something that really changed your life around the arts in Airdrie, you can contact us at that email Rob just mentioned. It's bert.church at airdrie.ca and just throw in the tagline arts memory moment and we will be able to cue those up and read them here on the podcast. And just as a reminder, that's Bert with a B with an E, B-E-R-T. Great. And if people are looking to find out more about Bert Church Live Theatre, Kirsty, how can they get a hold of us? So you can check us out on social media. On Facebook and Instagram, you can find us at the Burt Church Live Theatre, on Twitter at the BCLT, and even on Spotify where we have some curated playlists for you, you can find us at Burt Church Theatre. Wonderful. Thank you again to our guests. And until next time, don't stop creating. <laughs>